The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra Collins for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Today we're going to South Africa, just for a change and a, a, quite an exciting story, I think. The company is Theta Gold, trades under the code TGM, last traded at 6.4 cents for a market cap of 37.5 million. It's an interesting story, this one, and um, I just mentioned the market cap there, 37.5, but uh, this company comes with a 6.1 million ounce uh, gold resource at uh, high grade in the uh, the Transvaal Gold System, uh, which is on the eastern side of the Bushveld Complex there, uh, which is about well, 370 kilometres or so northeast of Johannesburg. It's a, a historic gold field, produced a lot of gold over the years, but Theta is uh, planning to revise it, starting out with uh, producing from uh, four mines initially, starting at, at around 60, 90,000 uh, ounces within two years or so, and then a push out to 160,000 over the next five years. Uh, all low cost too, uh, compared to uh, some of the ASIC numbers our Australian gold producers have been producing recently. The Theta is saying they uh, will probably be doing it for sub-US $900 an ounce. So an in- interesting one for sure, one that uh, I wasn't really aware of. So it's great that we have Byron Dumpleton with us today. Byron is the director of the company and he's uh, in the studio with us today to give us a rundown on the company. G'day, Byron. Thanks uh, for showing, coming to the podcast. Oh, my, my pleasure, Barry. Byron, uh, be great. Um, I said I've covered a few mining stocks in the years, but uh, Theta is not one I've come across before. So it'd be great if we could get a bit of a background, both on yourself and the company. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll start with myself. Um, mm-hmm. I came on the board uh, just uh, late last year. So um, they basically brought me in, mainly on, so I suppose, my technical background from the geology side. I've been in the game for well over 30 years, uh, sort of started my career back in the uh, uh, sort of late, mid to late 80s on the Golden Mile there as an underground sampler, sort of part of, a, part of the team that also helped put together the, uh, the big pit, did uh, do the interpretations and did that, helped also introduce the concepts of computers, 3D modelling. So that was, <laughs> that was a fascinating time way back then. And also, as discussed before, it sort of helped revolutionise the industry where we, where we head and now look at the big pit today. It's just a, it's still a fantastic and ongoing story. After that, I moved down to, uh, you know, uh, to Cambelda, to St. Ives with WMC and um, brought down there, especially from my knowledge of, of 3D modelling and so on, introduced geostats and sort of, the, I suppose, the introduction of, of, of 3D modelling into the, the gold there started at Victory and... Um, Worked with a uh, another resource geologist there and uh, helped get that uh, off paper in, into the computer and that that, uh, went, that moved forward leaps and bounds and fantastic area to, to do all that yeah and then from there I moved to a company called Straits Resources up to Nifty up there for five years uh, developed my copper background so mm-hmm. that was especially in heap leach and mm-hmm. then obviously with their other assets in in uh, over east at Triton so there so covered also uh, primary copper as well. And then 
so come 2014, I uh, well, in between there, I worked for Newcrest up in the uh, at Telfer. So I was up there. So obviously, as you can see, I've been exposed to some of the biggest systems in WA. And then um, from there, sort of from 2014, sort of been working with Red 5, where I went up to uh, Siena. And then uh, from there, and then uh, as we had to close down there, sort of moved back to Australia. So that's that's me in a a brief sort of a snapshot. Mm -hmm. Then uh, the, the board there asked me to come on. I said... When I saw the project, I, I thought, wow, this is a phenomenal project. I mean, if you had this in the gold fields, mate, you, you, you'd know the story by now. Mm. Uh, it's just great. It's a beautiful story. The geology there is just fascinating. I mean, it's an area that hasn't really been touched since the 70s, if you like, in, in, in our what we would call our modern ways of managing a gold resource. Right. So uh, the beauty of it, it's still very shallow. Uh, it's a, I mean, the deepest uh, mine only went down to 320 metres. So you basically, it's a surface mine, still shallow, and the opportunity there is just this huge. So, I mean, you're talking in a, a massive gold field through there that uh, has really probably missed the, you know, your, your 80s, 90s, 2000 sort of gold, gold uh, development periods. Mm. And that was just generally South African particular issues? Yeah, yeah, basically there. So, well, I mean, to be honest, I mean, back then, it's a, you're dealing with probably grade and dilution. I mean, she is a narrow mine, vein mine. So I'd say when you're competing against the VITs, uh, it's why that mine ended up closing down, you you couldn't compete. But uh, it's sort of been forgotten. and, And now with a turnaround and where the industry is at, it's sort of, in an ideal position, especially in today's gold price, to become a very uh, cost-effective uh, operation. Mm. Now, the company says uh, its uh, tenure, its tenements cover more than 43 historical mines and uh, three or four of them have been worked up to uh, underpin initial production with more to be pulled into the system over time. So are these uh, mines... Uh, historic producers, all of them, or some of them are new, uh, new deposits. Yeah, no, no, all, all these are, are historic producers. So, mm. um, but they they stopped when you know back 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 in the seventies. Uh, some were kicked off. There was some mining in the early two thousands and so on. But uh, they all sort of shut down at the gold price way back then. Roll on today's gold price. Uh, it basically opens up the whole whole area. So, um, all all the Projects that are on there are all historic mines with um, with all developed uh, well development in place. So it's um, the beauty of it in the situation and the style of mining is that the development's all in pretty good condition. So not much rehab is really required to get back into those positions. And mm-hmm. you're right next to ore and right into it. So you're basically just continuing on extensions of these ore bodies. Okay, I mentioned that there's. Currently 6.1 million ounces in the gold resource. I think it's at around 4.1 grams a tonne, which is very nice. So is, what, is there an average size of these deposits? Yeah, or? so these deposits, so there's, there's two styles that we're dealing with. Is we have these flat concordant sort of things that sort of are bedding parallel with the uh, the reef system through there, so it's okay. like a sedimentary basin there. And um, they are sort of the... the the grade or the gold or the the load itself is anywhere between five to forty uh, centimeters wide, but they're going grades. They 
the resource base on that actually averages 16 grams per ton. Right. So the figures we quote are the figures based on mining dilution. All right. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so the beauty of, of the country as well, I mean, South Africa, especially, you know, of the Vits, even the Platts and so on, the country are very experienced and used to mining narrow vein. So the beauty of this with today's bring roll on forward, we could utilize, we can mechanize the, the area with, with small jumbos and small um, long hole uh, drilling platforms. We can uh, still still mine the, now mine these uh, reefs with a, for a more efficient method and still resume mining. So we can uh, still get in there with reasonable widths and get in there with boggers. Uh, we we take out the waste and then we can then the second pass we take out the uh, the the ore itself on a over a very narrow width. Okay, so fully mechanized. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, so just back on that. I mean, yes, it's fully mechanized, but the beauty of this, we we could always flip back to air legging as well. So uh, you, you've got both. So, but we have it's it's we we do um, ha- have a very keen interest with you know with uh, I suppose the guys who want to provide us the gear to uh, push push this along. Yeah. Okay. Um, now. The, in July, uh, things started to come together with the release of a feasibility study uh, completed for the first of the four mines. So what were some of the, the key findings from that feasibility study? Oh, well, well key findings are really is we're developing a, a strong reserve base. So we're developing a reserve of uh, we, a, what we call a life of mine reserve, which includes in inferred material of 1.2 million, million ounces at a average grade of six grams per ton. Mm-hmm. So, and, and from an, we also have a base case, which because of Jork, or a reserve of just under 600,000 ounces. And uh, with the, we know we can readily convert the inferred material to reserves. So, so basically when you look at that and that reserve base, uh, it's probably one of your largest reserves for a, a junior in, in, in the sector on the ASX. Oh, undoubtedly, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at over a 12, 12 plus mine year mine life, and we can easily see thirty. Tell me, when you get onto one of these reefs, do they go on forever, or do they do pinch out, or? Yeah, yeah, they, well, they, nothing ever goes on forever in, in gold. <laughs> no, true. <laughs> so yeah, they they have um, a scale. We're yet to close them off. I mean, we're, we're looking kilometers in in scale. So, but the thing is. In the whole area, you also got multiple reefs which um, are yet to be developed. So in different horizons, and also exploration. So the whole field has has been totally underexplored. Because mm. it's not the sort of thing you would seek to drill out, is what I'm suggesting. That you... oh, most most definitely. Mm. So you we're sort of in a, a lucky situation where we can start developing already. So we have a strong reserve base or already to go ahead. So you you don't have to suddenly get the, the rigs on site to go and chase mm. chase your growth like a lot of a lot of mines in, in, in the gold fields here mm. so uh, we have that opportunity but yes so, so as soon as we establish we've got the uh, the cash flow coming in then yeah I would be pushing through there with modern techniques I mean there's another example that's one of our mines called uh, Rifon team which is vertical so that it's going to be mine as a uh, shrink stoke that there is has the highest grade as a reserve grade in the order of eight grams per ton, mm. and um, it's a it's a, it's a probably a, a wider vein system of one to three meters wide, 
will be shrink stoke. It's a traditional method in the the old days, if you like, uh, and still a very common method in the gold field. Uh, sorry, in in South Africa, uh, it's that resource itself is just not being closed off or being chased down dip or a long strike. Yeah, um, so the sort of things you get onto them and uh, you just keep going until they stop? Correct, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, okay. The, um, you know, the feasibility study, I think, pointed to, am uh, um, I right here, not, uh, a plan to get to 90,000 ounces within two years and then 160,000 ounces uh, uh, within you five years. Yep. yep. And all sub-US uh, $900 an ounce. Yes. That's that's the beauty of it. I mean, because you've got the grade as well, so you deliver the ounces, that brings those cost structure right down. Plus, we have, I mean, access to the beauty of South Africa. You, it's, it's not affected like here in WA with the, the high inflation and in terms of wages and so on. There, your wage cost structures are, are in check. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the beauty of it, you also have access to a strong, experienced workforce. Yeah, well, and as you mentioned, world experts in uh, narrow vein mining. Mm. Yeah, okay. You've just recently, uh, September 6, announced uh, two environmental licences were issued, so you're almost complete in terms of having all the approvals in place? Y- yes, that's right, yeah. I suppose uh, that, and we we've got a couple more to go. Uh, we're hoping to have that sort of on, on board come come next year. Uh, can't recall which which quarter. So I think it was Q Q four there. And um, it's it's with with South Africa. It is is a process. I suppose that's probably the I suppose a downside they see through there. But the, those permits are coming. So mm. once we've got established that, then we're running. Mm. There is a process that is eventually completed. Yes, correct. You've got to remember that South Africa is under English law, has a strong mining system. Yep. Mm. So it's, it's, it's just time. I mean, the beauty with, with Theta, especially with, with Bill, who's been driving the process there, um, we, have, uh, we, we follow the process from start and keep continuing interacting with the departments. Mm. Okay. Now, the, you will, of course, have a uh, under... Uh, the law there, the mining laws there, uh, 26% uh, black empowerment entities uh, uh, partnering up with you there, as it were. Um, I was just wondering, sometimes these BEE arrangements actually int- uh, allow you to introduce some you know, some uh, local expert or some local entrepreneur or, you know, uh, they deliver advantage. It's not just a, a take and a free carry, as it were. What's the case with your BEE relationships? Um well, well, the beauty of it is, okay, there we'll, we're in a, a, an area that is, I suppose it's a low population, so in an area that's about 15,000 people we would actually we have access to with the experience. Mm-hmm. But what we, we will provide to, the, to, to, to there is obviously the, re, the region has uh, a, a sort of, I suppose, high unemployment, so they're very keen to, to be working and get, get things going. So we'll start getting the community working again mm-hmm. so get people active bringing money back to the community so that, that's a, a very important thing uh, with the from the environment point of view we have a very low footprint in the environment uh, the the guys or T, theta gold has um, established a what we call a, a regional environmental development trust to be able to you know there's there's the thing they've got alien and plants and their removals of that uh, so they're 
introduced a uh, a trust there to to help get improve the environment in the region mm-hmm. uh, and so on. But way I see it most importantly is that the social side. Um, with that in there, where we um, start bringing in the, the communities and start employing employing the uh, the, the local people. Mm. Did I read something about the company uh, getting behind or supporting? Because uh, you're very close to the historic gold mining town of uh, Pilgrim's Rest, and uh, correct that you might develop your own. Well, be involved in some sort of uh, you know. Ballarat's got its Sovereign Hill um, yes. tourist park that you might uh, the company might get behind uh, a similar thing at Pilgrim's Rest. Is that right? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, I believe that we want to interact with the community uh, strongly um, and, and push as much of that as possible. So definitely, the beauty of what we've got here is also we're underground as well. So it's like Ballarat and uh, and so on. So uh, uh, that um, sort of is. Uh, very much encouraged in through that area. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, things are moving uh, quickly, it seems. Um, funding uh, is uh, not doesn't seem particularly onerous. I think it's uh, sub uh, 100 million Australian. So our peak funding, at, once we get going, is, uh, is 77 million US. Right. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a low, really, for the size of what we're trying to do and what we deliver, it's a, it's a low uh, capex sort of, requirement so um the board uh, or the team there believe uh it's very easy we should shouldn't have too much problems trying to uh get the money mm. now we don't have many australian juniors uh, operating in south africa but those that are uh, with development type projects on the hands told me that um, the banking system there uh, is particularly supportive of uh, getting behind uh this new wave of mine developments, for want of a better expression, in South Africa, the sort of the new age of mining in South Africa. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so they obviously want to. Um, uh, well, mining is a, a a small. Well, used to be a significant part of the industry. It's sort of a smaller part, but um, you know, with with the vits sort of getting older uh, and and so on. So this is a, a good opportunity to open up a whole new area for them. So this increases their obviously the. Uh, so for, for South Africa in itself, in, in the sense that you've got more, more, more gold being poured, more royalties coming in for them, uh, hoping out with this so justice. So, yes, very supportive from the banks, and, mm. and that's also driven by the government. Okay. Now, assuming uh, financing is done, I think the company's flagging that first gold could be Q2 of 2024. That's still pretty much the plan? Yes, that's still the plan. So, I mean, we're still beholden on, on permits and we're, we're, we're pretty sh- sort of encouraged that we'll get those permits on time. And once we've got those, then, then yeah, that's, that will be the target. Okay. The, just a, a couple of things around. I'm sure people will be thinking if you've got multiple streams of ore coming in, what's the, the milling side of things going to look like? Right. Okay. So the the initial phase is we start off with just a um, CIL plant, so the free milling phase. So right. we've designed a plant into three phases. So um, the the initial phase is to tackle the the free milling ore. Uh, so that's which is the first five years mm-hmm. of mining, and that's our, our beta. Uh, Rifontine and our and components of the CD, what we call the CDM or Clure and Duke mine, through there. Once we get through, after that part, we start. We we do have some uh, sort of refractory 
refractory wall. So, and that's easely managed through the mill. So we, we have a dedicated circuit that will manage the refractory component or the sulfides, the sulfides where it's, uh, where we run a, a flash float. And, and then from there, they can uh, aggressively attack the sulfides with oxygen at atmospheric pressure and also in a sort of like a, a high, um, sort of a stressed regime in a in mm-hmm. the tank, so a high shearing component, which sort of opens up the sulfides to allow the cyanide to attack it. So uh, overall, we still get good recoveries on through that. And then perhaps the, our highest refractory mine called Frankfurt, uh, Frank, oh, not Frankfurt, Frankfurtine, is uh, it, it uh, has a... We, we, once we get into that, we also have a, a, another method where we also separate the area that where the gold is captured in the carbon and that goes through a slightly different treatment and we also get a, a, a very solid recovery on that with the uh, average recovery for that mine at uh, 69%. So in summary, the first five years uh, of our mining is is with the mindset, so that's that's Beta, Rifontine and uh, CDMA, of which still can grow. Yeah. We've, we've got over around about a 90% recovery average. Okay. Uh, yeah. you see? So the beauty of this field is we can keep pushing through that back. I mean, there's also opportunities for potential. There's a, uh, a local refinery or use that they utilise a biox treatment where we could send ore as well in the short term. So there's a potential there. But overall, we're... To plan to design the so we're 100 treatment all on site to deliver in the worst case scenario with the highest sort of refractory or, or of 69 percent recovery okay all right Byron. Uh, now you've obviously got a complete funding uh, finalized the permitting and start construction say in q2 of 23 but uh, which will all stand as re-rating um, signposts for the company I was just wondering, you're obviously undervalued compared with your Australian peers. Um, what do you think it's going to take to get your fair share of uh, value from the market for what you're uh, putting together there in South Africa? Oh, I suppose, I think uh, the, the Australian market are probably a bit hesitant with South Africa. I suppose we just have to prove what we can do So and very confident that we can deliver that. So, I mean, once we secure funding, that, I mean, that would be the first tick and that should sort of start push along the re-rating. I, I suppose the important thing is get the, get the market to understand what Theta Gold is and what Theta Gold has to offer mm-hmm. and, and not to be scared of it to get that, that, that market cap up. And then once we start uh, mining and demonstrating we can get gold out of it, I, I think we'll go for a significantly high uh, change in a re-rating. I mean, you just look at the reserve base we have here versus what you see in Western Australia. She's, uh, it's got a very significant reserve base. Mm, certainly has. It certainly has. Fascinating story, Byron. Thanks for taking the time today to uh, give us a bit of a feel for it. One to watch, I think, folks, uh, with that uh, modest market cap, that resource space, and uh, on a pathway to production in a part of the world where they've been doing it for uh, more than 130 years. So, Byron, with that, thanks for your time today. Good luck with it all. Yeah, thank you very much, Barry.